On this episode of Mike Drop Dallas, we're talking golf with some surprise superstars from other sports. And we're talking robotics because, after all, the world's largest robotics competition is coming to Dallas. And we're going to talk Cowboys offseason and get an NFL draft preview from Haley Sutton from DallasCowboys.com. All of that and much more on Season 3, Episode 6. Let's drop the mic and let's go. Drop Dallas, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined as always by Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and next level Marcus Carr, our on air producer. Monica, before we get to this week's guests and what's coming up at the Sports Commission, let's take a minute to reflect on the runaway success of the women's NCAA basketball Final Four that took place. Uh, recently at American Airlines Center, uh, record TV viewership. Uh, you know, not only are we congratulating the LSU women for winning the championship, beating Iowa in a in a monumental uh, championship game, but also the Ashland Eagles and the Transylvania Pioneers who won the Division Two and Three titles here in Dallas. As you reflect back on on that week and all that happened, the community events, the competition, the national attention. How do you feel about it? What are you thinking? Oh, Sully, I think I'm I'm very proud. I I can't thank our partners with the Big 12 American Airlines Center, all of our volunteers, all of our team hosts, our our facilities, our um those who took part in the community events and made that happen, our our host hotels. I mean, everybody just really showed up and I knew that 2023 was going to be special just when you add in, you know, two more divisions and the celebration of Title IX and um, just the the elevated experience that we were trying to do. But I'm not sure I could have dreamt that it was going to be this special. So uh, I I feel like we definitely raised the bar uh, and uh, makes me a little nervous of what's to come in 2031, but I can guarantee it'll be it'll be just as good. So that's, that's exciting really to see the projection of, of women's basketball, everybody uh, getting behind the event here locally and uh, to see the TV numbers come out. And uh, I don't know, there's just an excitement that continued to build day after day in the city uh, from Monday on. And it, uh, it was just pretty special. I had people, you know, reaching out that, you know, wanted to volunteer or, or hey, obviously wanted tickets because it was a hard ticket to come by. Um, but overall, just very proud of my team and uh, the entire city for um, another fantastic event that we were able to put on. You know, as your team and the corporate support and the community support are all part of the reason that Dallas was recently named the number one city in America to conduct sports business. This was by the Sports Business Journal. I would encourage uh, our listeners who have not sampled that episode, episode five of season three with David Broughton and Derek Moss to check it out. They were pretty funny. It was a lively conversation, but hearing you talk about the the, the women's final four, it ties back into just what a great destination uh, Dallas is for, for big time uh, events. And and I know there's more coming because with you, there always are. When we toss it out there, Monica, what's happened at the Sports Commission? You've always got a, a full plate. 
So what's the latest? Well, yes, uh, we're continuing to roll here. Uh, we've got uh, finishing up our third weekend of the Lone Star Classic over the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center. Uh, we've got the Vex Robotics World Championships coming back here shortly. Just announced yesterday the CONCACAF Gold Cup quarterfinals will be uh, happening here at AT&T Stadium uh, later this year. That kind of goes along with the MEX Tour that will be coming back later in the year as well, Mexican national team. Um, and then uh, we're, you know, FIFA World Cup uh, preparation for 2026. Uh, that's the next big, big, major mega event that's that's coming up. So uh, we're starting to see a little a little movement there. Uh, FIFA will be doing a brand launch um, of the 2026 marks on May 18th. So all the host cities are very rapidly putting together their marketing plans and how we're going to be able to activate leading up to that and even afterwards. And uh, so I think we'll we'll start to see some additional soccer taking place. But uh, a lot of RFPs uh, coming in for other events right now and uh, um, just trying to take a little break after Women's Final Four, catch our breath. But there's, you know, always sporting events taking place here. And I have to say, with that number one ranking from Sports Business Journal, it does put a little bit more pressure on uh, whenever you're hosting major events, because you definitely want them to go uh, uh, well and uh, not have any major hiccups. Um, so uh, just so that we can retain that that rating. Are you and your team coordinating with the other cities that were named 2026 World Cup hosts for in North America? Uh, yes. Uh, so we're all on marketing and brand calls right, right now. Sometimes it's all the cities. Sometimes it's a select group. So FIFA's kind of identified with who their agency is that's going to be handling this brand launch. So working through that. And then we have some upcoming media meetings with FIFA where all of the host cities will come together. A very small group from each um, few people actually only uh, from each city that will come together and hopefully get the lay of the land of timing of here's what to expect this year. Here's when some deadlines, here's what we need to need to be activating upon and, and putting in place so that we're, we're ready to roll. Sounds good. Well, we, we will be back in a moment. Marcus Carr on official mic drop uh, assignment did two really interesting interviews uh, with Roger Clemens and Mike Madonna, but they're not talking about baseball and hockey. They're talking about a big golf event coming our way. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now... Two very special interviews that Marcus conducted. First, we're going to hear from Roger Clemens and then Mike Madano, former Stars legend, in support of the upcoming Invited Celebrity Classic. This is a PGA Tour Champions event that runs April 21st through the 23rd at Las Colinas Country Club. Of course, you know Roger Clemens, seven-time Cy Young Award winner, two-time World Series champ with the Yankees. He spoke to Marcus at... The Invited Celebrity Classic Media Day at Globe Life Field. Yes, they were playing golf inside Globe Life Field. So let's hear from Roger Clemens with Marcus Carr. We are joined by Roger Clemens, seven-time Cy Young Award winner, 11-time All-Star, uh, World Series champion, and 
for Monica, Hook'em Horns, he won a World Series uh, at the University of Texas. Roger, we're at Media Day uh, for the Invited Celebrity Classic. First, before we get started, he ta- would, would you ever think that you would hit golf balls on a baseball field? No, uh, but Pudge, my teammate, and, uh, you know, Pudge caught me in a, a handful of all-star games. Uh, he was saying that's probably the only way I can go deep over the fence <laughs> here is with one of these golf clubs. So, um, no, that was fun. I think it was a great concept. It's pretty cool how everybody's here. Uh, you know, Dave from Invited and uh, what Choctaw is doing for us to, you know, uh, generate a lot of interest uh, and also raise a lot of money for charities in this Dallas area. Um, you know, it's just going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Um, I see the guys. We have three or four of these events um, throughout the year. Love doing it. Of course, I love Arlington. My wife was born here. Uh, the Phillies are here. My youngest one plays for the Phillies, so we we're hoping that he he would have been here for opening day. And we'd it probably saved me about seventy five tickets trying to find tickets. But uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this. Can you talk a little bit about your experience and what you're looking forward to uh, to playing in the tournament for once? Yeah, I'm going to ask Michael Falansky. I mean, if he'll put in my notes that he'll allow me to throw two or three of them around, I'll be really good out of a bunker or something. Um, again, they do a great job. Um, uh, the celebrities that will be there are, you know, a lot of them are really good golfers. They play a lot of golf, and you'll see some great golf shots. And then combine that with the Champions Tour. Uh, I've got a lot of buddies on the Champions Tour, and um, I love seeing those guys out there getting after it. They're very competitive, similar to the celebrities. Friday, you'll see a certain level. Then when you get to Saturday, you'll see more intensity. And Sunday, a lot of guys aren't talking. They're really they're hitting and walking and really trying to focus on getting their golf ball in the hole. Well, you've said in the past that the golf is the perfect time for you to talk business. Who are you looking forward to, you know, playing around with and, you know, kind of getting in the zone with? Yeah, so the programs are the best for me. Um, you know, that's where, you know, I, I meet a lot of people that do a lot of work for my foundation, the Roger Clemens Foundation. We help. I am obviously live in Houston. I still live uh, about six miles from my high school, but we help at-risk children. And, uh, and I get an opportunity to talk to those guys about that when we're out there and you see so many different walks of life of people that uh, what their job is, and then uh, and then you get to play alongside of them. Playing inside these tournaments when you're playing with the seniors and they're actually playing for a purse and for their living, and they're still doing it for a living. It's pretty cool. It'd be like if you were standing behind the pitcher's mound and telling me what to throw, you know. So we get to do that on the golf course with these professionals. What made you choose golf um, as kind of the driver for your charity and, and your foundation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do golf outings. I do uh, batting practice experiences at uh, uh, still actually uh, in my old stomping grounds at Fenway Park, which is really cool. But I love the game of golf. I um, Again, I met uh, when I first started Billy Andre, Davis Love, Brad Faxton. All those guys kind of grabbed me, and, and um, they really gave me um, on-course lessons. Uh, I can remember when I played in the AT&T for the first time in Pebble Beach. I was a nervous wreck and uh, because I was hitting a pretty good slice, and there you know people everywhere. So it can be nerve-wracking at times. So, But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the event here uh, at Los Colinas Country Club. Well, last question. MLB season just got started. Um, you know, can you do a quick assessment of the Rangers, quick assessment of your Red Sox, and, and what you know overall? You know, the landscape of the MLB. Yeah, I can tell you this. I mean, I, I worked the game last night in Houston when they opened up, and and uh, I believe they get their World Championship ring. So I was there last night, busted it up here to Dallas to do this event. Um, 
you know, just like I talked to the teams in spring training, a team like Houston, they, they, they're not rebuilding anymore. They're reloading. And so they're, they're going to be really good. But Texas has uh, uh, upped their game too. They got a lot of big arms. And uh, with anything, I always say you got to stay healthy to, uh, to be able to compete and, and be there in September and October. And if you can just get a couple of your starters to get 10 games over 500, you're probably going to get in the dance. And once you get in the dance, you got to win 11 games. So you got to be hot going into that. But Houston, they're still it's Houston. Still, you're going to have to knock off the Astros. They still have it going on. They've plugged some holes. They have they have big arm starters and relievers. And um, same thing when I talked to Philadelphia in spring training, my son was there. They're they're built for winning too. They got a taste of the World Series last year. Yankees are going to be there. Everybody has to get better that uh, are, are super competitive. So a lot of guys change teams. So it'll be interesting to see how they do throughout the season. Thanks so much for your time. Got it. All right, Marcus's adventures uh, continue with a conversation with Mike Madonna, of course, the all-time goal-scoring and points leader among American-born players in NHL history. Helped the Stars win the Stanley Cup in 1999. In 2017, he was named one of the 100 best players in NHL history. What not everybody realizes, he may also be one of the 100 best golfers in NHL history. So let's, uh, let's lob it back to Marcus for a conversation with Mike Madonna. We are now pleased to be joined by NHL Hall of Famer Mike Badano, arguably the greatest American-born player in the history of the game. Uh, he captured the 1999 Stanley Cup with the Stars, holds numerous Dallas Stars records, seven-time All-Star, has the most points ever scored in a career by an American. Mike, welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, you'll be playing in the Invited Celebrity Classic April 21st through 23rd at Las Galinas Country Club. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, you know, it's always nice to come back to Dallas. I think it's it's a it's a golf course I was a member at actually when I played there. So a lot of familiar people, familiar surroundings. But, um, you know, golf's always uh, a sore spot for me in a way. So I, I like getting out there and competing and having fun. A lot of familiar faces that I know that are playing in it. So we seem to make the rounds a few times a year together, but uh, it should be fun. And, uh, you know, it's always come back. Good to come back to Texas. You know, you just mentioned headlined by a lot of celebrities, a lot of uh, senior um, players. Is there anyone you're hoping to be grouped with uh, over the weekend? Um, God, they're all. I've I've done this a few times, so you know you can't go wrong. They're all uh, they're all fun, just kind of uh, relaxed guys. I feel like they're uh, just out there having fun. There's no real pressure, no stress. You know, they've had all had amazing careers in uh, in professional golf, so they're just out there trying to just. Uh, you know, enjoy the sun one more day and, and have a good time. It seems that many hockey players also seem to be really good golfers. What's the secret? Is there, is it the hand-eye coordination for the hours of practice or uh, just the available time? And we have summers off, so the weather's good. So you either fish or golf. So that's kind of what we uh, generally do. And, um, you know, so then you get a lot of these Southern belt teams that you're able to play throughout the winter. So you have a little bit of uh um, you know, addiction there through the regular season. So it's, it's a nice spot to play in. I love playing in Dallas just for that reason. If we had a day off, we could go play, but, um, yeah, hockey and golf are very similar. It's a lot of the hand eye and, you know, just hitting contact on something on the ground, um, you know, being able to rotate and everything else. But, you know, I think guys have generally have a good set of hands and we're able to, 
you know, kind of fix everything and maneuver everything at impact. So it's, uh, it seems like a good fit for us. A couple of years ago, you pulled off a double Eagle at American century, becoming the first golfer to do that in that tournament. Do you think you can pull something similar off here in Dallas? <laughs> I don't know. I think that might be a once in a lifetime gig. You know, it hadn't happened in 30 years there. And, uh, you know, generally a lot of times you're hitting short irons into that hole. So it's, it's remarkable that it hadn't happened yet. So, uh, but you never know golf's a, crazy thing we'll see we talk a lot of a lot about sports business here on mic drop dallas uh you're currently a senior advisor for the minnesota wild can you talk a little bit about your role um in in minnesota uh well, so it's just a lot of collaborating with the gm billy garen and the coaches and just being around the roster the uh the team the players and that sort of thing just kind of lending an extra set of eyes and ears and you know being able to communicate to some guys that uh you know might be struggling at times or just uh you know not having some uh working on their confidence or a little bit but just kind of talking them through some experiences that you know I've, I've probably had them all so it's it's nice to have uh you know it's just a someone to walk you through it and talk you through it and just kind of uh, come out on the other side but um but it's fun to be around the team it's fun to around to be the coaches I played with a lot of those guys and and with them so um, you know, it's a, it's a fun group, great organization, great owner, um, all the way down to, you know, the fan base there is, is exceptional. During your playing days, you were tremendous on the ice, but you also had a real focus off the ice with your Mike Madonna foundation. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, why those things were so important to you and why they still are so important to you? Well, I felt Dallas was home. I think you, you always, after a while, you feel like you want to be involved in the community and some fundraising and some uh, charitable stuff. So, um, you know, the door was open to kind of do something, uh, collaborate with some other people and kind of come up together with a, a foundation that would help a, a numerous uh, causes. So it, it, it turned out to be great. I love it. It's still kind of hanging on to this day. and We still kind of try to help out as much as we can. And and uh, and help raise money for certain causes. So it, it was um, it was a, an important thing. It's still it's still going on to this day. And we're just kind of uh, really, um, you know, in in transitional stuff. I'm always moving. I seem to be going to Arizona, Minnesota, Dallas. So there's a, a lot of moving parts to it. But um, you know, the bottom denominator is we're just trying to help as many people as we can. Let's shift gears a little bit to your legendary 99 Stanley Cup uh, run with the Stars, which you played with a broken wrist after game two, which which is really remarkable. Um, what is your favorite memory from from that playoff run? Oh, man, I think just the, the guys, the memories, the things you go through as a team, you know, just the up and downs. It's emotional. It's physical. It's just, you know, it's, it tests you in every aspect of the game and um, you know, to come out on top and to finally win it and get through that overtime with against Buffalo um, was just really, uh, you know, obviously a, a highlight of most of our careers. So um, it was just, um, you know, combination of a lot of great things that happened that year. We had a phenomenal team just top to bottom and we just felt the it was this year to win it. So we, we kind of ran into, um, you know, we, we got hot at the right time. We had great goaltending, just good scoring, good coaching. You know, the reunion was just in a, a, an amazing place and loud place to play. So we felt we had a little bit of extra help there from the fans in that building. So um, it was just one of those magical rides that, you know, you just feel like, you know, you're lucky to be a part of.
Every player gets a day with the cup to do whatever they wish. Uh, what did you do on your day with the cup uh, that summer? It was just a simple barbecue at the house. A lot of family, a lot of friends, neighbors, and, you know, other teammates came over. I think it was just, uh, you know, just to relax. We just didn't do too much. It was just kind of a, a real relaxing day. And, and um, you know, so it wasn't anything crazy. Um, just uh, share it with some friends and family and stuff that uh, they get a chance to see it and, um, and then, you know, and share in the moment with us too. Jason Robertson just broke your Dallas Stars record for the most points in the season. You were in attendance. Um, can you talk a little bit about his game and, you know, what makes him so special and obviously what it was like being there? Um, yeah, I just kind of was really a lucky thing that I happened to be there. I just wanted to go watch the game in general. I didn't know that he was kind of creeping up on it and, until I got a text message that he did break it during the game. And if it would be, uh, if it would work out that I would go downstairs and, and say hi to him and maybe take a picture with him. So um, I, I was glad I was there, worked out really good. And um, yeah, Jason just, he's got a lot going on right now. He's very, uh, Puck seems to be following him, tons of confidence. He's got a great shot, a good knack for scoring, being around at the right place at the right time. So it's, uh, it was fun to watch. It's fun to see. They got a they got a pretty good team, so they're, they're going to be a handful for anybody come playoffs. But, um, yeah, he's been he's been getting slowly every year. It's gotten better and better. So he's it's really tons of upside for that kid. So he's going to have a nice long career. Both the Stars and the Wild have clinched their playoff spots. There's a decent chance they might uh, play each other. You know both teams pretty well. What would be the keys for each team to possibly advance? Um. You know, I, I think it just comes down to how they play in their own zone. I think def defensively, Dallas has always been, you know, pretty sound. I think their their goaltending is pretty top notch. I think Minnesota's goaltending, the tandem that they have going on, is playing really at the top of their game. So, um, you know, it just comes down to just little variables at that point. I think you know they're pretty evenly matched, two fast teams. Um, you know, it just comes down to you know just the will to win and, you know, maybe some luck here and there, some opportunities, uh, someone that wasn't expected to be a big catalyst comes up and steps up and scores some big goals for the team. So, um, you know, it's a time for everybody just to, you know, make a name for themselves in the playoffs and, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get to first place. So Denver and Dallas maybe have to play each other in the first round and we kind of can come in the second round and maybe get them after they're, uh, they've beaten each other up a little bit. Last question. Your your number nine hangs in the Raptors at AAC. One of six players to have their number retired by the franchise. What does that mean to you? Oh boy, I I think that's just one of the ones that you know the pinnacle and one of those things you feel content about your career. You don't expect it to happen when you're playing, and you don't. It's not one of your goals when you start playing in the NHL. Uh, it just it just accumulated over time. It happened, you know, being in one organization for as long as I was, it was just kind of meaningful for me and, you know, for the city and, and for that arena. Um, uh, so it's, you know, it's just something that hangs there forever. And it, it's, it's pretty neat when you see it up there. Thanks so much for your time, Mike, today. Uh, we appreciate you joining Mike Drop. You got it, man. Anytime. Well done, Marcus. Let me ask you, what was it like? watching uh, you know golf as part of the media day event inside globe life field that must have been uh, just a little bit uh, surreal 
Yeah, it, it really was the first time golf has ever been held at Globe Life. So um, a milestone for everyone involved. It was it was a really cool experience. And and like Roger said in his interview, uh, Pudge secretly told him that's the only way he'd be able to hit a home run inside a ballpark is is with the golf club. So, um, you know, really, really cool moment to see, you know, Pudge and and Roger, you know, hit some hit some golf balls. And, and Demarcus Ware and, and Tim Brown were also uh also there, you know, so not just, uh, not just the game of baseball that, you know, the, the football guys were out there, uh, you know, hitting some golf balls, you know, pretty deep to center field to, to say the least. Well, the invited celebrity classic, pretty cool event. General admission tickets are free, but you've got to go to invited celebrity classic.com to re register and reserve your spot. Of course, once again, that's April 21 through 23 at the Las Colinas Country Club back for its second year. Last year was a big success. Looking forward to again having another uh, national event here in our fair city. Uh, now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perromuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rachel. The VEX Robotics World Championship, presented by the Northrop Grumman Foundation, is returning to Dallas and the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center from April 25th through May 4th. This is the largest robotics competition on planet Earth. We're happy to be joined by Dan Mance to learn more. He is the CEO and chair of the Robotics Education and Competition Foundation, which, which puts on the competition. REC is one of the world's largest STEM nonprofit organizations. Their purpose is to increase student engagement and interest in the STEM fields through participation in engineering programs and competitions like the one coming to Dallas. Before joining the REC Foundation, he was the president of Rack Solutions. Dan is a respected expert and innovator in the robotics industry. Welcome to Dan Matz to the Mike Drop Dallas podcast. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, we're very, very excited to be back in Dallas again this year. Uh, we'll bring over 100,000 spectators to something that's very unique. It's uh, it's not athletics, but it's got that same energy and an excitement like the Final Four that was just held in Dallas recently. But this time, we'll have students from over 70 nations and all 50 states they'll be here competing in robotics. That's right, robotics. And at the end of the day, we'll only crown 16 world champions, but there'll be over 3,000 teams, you know, 40,000 students participating, and they'll all go home experiencing our wonderful city and actually, you know, learning more about robotics and more about STEM. So we're super excited again this year. So, Dan, kind of continuing on for that, and we're very happy from a sports commission standpoint to have uh, you in the VEX Robotics World Championships uh, back in Dallas. How do these teams, how do these uh, kids qualify to, to make it to Dallas? Well, the REC Foundation VEX Robotics Program is a program that will actually kick off at the conclusion of, of the VEX Robotics World Championship this year. And what happens is students, every year, the REC Foundation and VEX Robotics uh, announce a new challenge, a game, and the students will design their robots, uh, program, build, and they'll start competing at the localist level. So um, we host, the REC Foundation hosts over 
3,000 competitions a year. And almost all those competitions will be done in a school uh, cafeteria. Uh, the larger competitions are in the gymnasium and the students and their teams will compete to qualify for their state, regional or national championship. Um, so starting about January into February, uh, all these teams that have qualified for the next level, they'll compete at their, their regional championships. And then the top teams from those regional championships will qualify for the VEX Robotics World Championship in Dallas. So it's a, a year round process. Uh, this past season, we had over 28,000 teams in 70 countries competing and the top 3,200 have qualified for the world championship here in Dallas. Okay, so I had the opportunity, obviously, to, to witness the VEX Robotics World Championships. And I can honestly tell you, unless you actually put your eyes on it, it's hard to understand really how amazing these students and these kids are and and how, just how beneficial they are. And I think a lot of people just think that, okay, VEX Robotics World Championships, they're just building robots, but it's so much more than just building robots. So, Dan, Give them a sense of what type of competitions there are at the Robotics World Championships. It's not just about building a robot, robot that is part of it, but it goes way beyond that. It sure does, Monica. And, and I remember uh, meeting with you um, pre-pandemic and, and saying, until we actually have the event in Dallas, no, nobody will really appreciate what it was. And I remember after the World Championship last year, uh, talking to you and saying, do you get it now? And you were smiling, right? So, yep. um, but at, at the culmination is that robotics competition where, you know, robots are competing with another team against another team. That's what you see on the field, but the REC Foundation programs are so much more than that. So for example, we really emphasize the design process um, and the design process is designing your robot, documenting the process, uh, competing, uh, failing, and overcoming those failures and reiterating, right? So these students have been documenting their journey for a, for a better, lack of a better word, they've been documenting their journey, their process through the entire season. So already, even prior to showing up in Dallas, these teams have been um, interviewed with judges, they've been sharing their design notebook. Um, and while uh, at VEX Worlds, they'll go through another round of interviews, and we will actually award you know, dozens and dozens of judged awards, such as the design award and the programming award, which we call the think award and many other awards. Um, it all culminates in what we call the excellence award. And that's for a program that is both excels on the robot field and also demonstrates their impact, uh, understanding the design process and supporting the community. Um, but in addition to the actual competition, we will also recognize what we call the skills champions. So the REC Foundation, when you go to one of our events, it isn't just the robot competition. Each team will demonstrate their driving skills. So they build their robot and it's their robot on the field to get the best score. But probably even more importantly in today's world is we have our autonomous challenge too. And that's where the students program their robots. They put the robot on the field and they do not drive or touch the robot. The robot does everything autonomously to score as many points as possible. So over the course of the next 10 days, we'll be awarding our tournament champions, but also our skills champions, uh, a world excellence award winner, and dozens of other awards that reflect the journey that the students have gone on this year. So Dan, we know what happens in traditional sports events on the, on the court, intense competition. 
it's pretty intense out there uh, with your teams and competitors and, and these robots, right? It's absolutely uh, is an equally as intense as any athletic competition. And I think that's the part that people don't realize until they see a robotics competition, especially at the level of the VEX Robotics World Championship. I mean, the intensity on these robotics fields is just as much as on a basketball court or a football court. Remember, these students, our students have been building these robots, designing, perfecting these robots all year. And so that intensity to do well um, equals any athletic endeavor. So you're going to see a full range of emotions. You're going to see students that are disappointed and some will break out in tears because they didn't achieve what they wanted to. You'll have the teams that have their best score. They might not win the competition or even place, but they had their best performance and they'll be jubilant. Um, and then when you get to what we call the dome, the finals um, in the arena, that's your very best of your best teams. And the intensity and the energy in the dome is absolutely incredible. I mean, that the, the students are under a lot of stress at that point. And um, one little mistake could cost them a world championship. So the intensity is high, but the cheering and the enthusiasm is equally as high. But one of the things we really try to do at the REC Foundation is make sure that all the students here are really winners. It's not who comes home with the trophies. It's competing with students from across the world. It's seeing other programs. I, you know, it's, it's working on your, your communication skills and your problem solving skills. But yeah, for those students that are the elite of the elite, there's a lot of intensity and a lot of emotion. Dan, this is the 16th year that you've put on this world championship. You've got teams with students from elementary school through college. So do you see teams come back year after year as they advance through the through the grade levels? Are there dynasties? Are there <laughs> superstar uh, robotics co competitors that, that that you sort of track year to year? You know, that's, that's a great question. And, and we do have programs that are, are qualify for VEX Robotics World Championship year after year. I mean, there are, I think, are two programs left that have been at all 16 championship events. Um, and there are some programs uh, out of, you know, Singapore, for example, or California or Canada, um, some programs that are just, everybody's excited to see them and see how they do. But the beauty of our program is because we're student-centered, I mean, in our program, the students do the work, the, the coaches, the educators, they're there to guide them. Um, so the, the, the championship caliber teams um, tend to be different from year after year. Yes, you have your elite programs that have built an incredible infrastructure and are going to be successful, but, you know, sometimes it just takes those incentivize students that really want to do well and they'll come out of nowhere. Matter of fact, one of my all-time favorite stories is last year. So um, all of us in Texas may have heard of Quinlan, right? You know, a very rural, small school district um, south of Greenville, Texas, actually. Um, they're not a very well-funded program, but the REC Foundation gave them a grant uh, four years ago to start VEX Robotics teams. And uh, one of their teams qualified for the VEX Robotics World Championship and they made it all the way to their division finalists. I mean, one of the smallest schools, least funded schools, they had a core of students that were dedicated and focused and they made it to their division finalists. Now they didn't win their division and advanced to the dome, but that was an incredible showing. So while some of the more well-known teams were also in the division finalists, I really liked that Quinlan story and what it represents for our program. I think that that's what we're about is giving 
you know, students from all backgrounds, all different equitable situations, an opportunity to compete. So if you're a rural school, an inner city school, or a suburban school, everybody has a loving level playing field in our organization. You mentioned, Dan, the, the similarities with sports teams, and we know the valuable life lessons that young people get from, from playing uh, sports. Well, I know you're interested, in, you're, you're focused on driving interest in the STEM fields, but what specifically do you hope the kids learn from, take away from the experience of competing at the VEX Robotics World Championship uh, coming to Dallas beginning on April 25th? Yeah, that, that's a wonderful question because, you know, our our mission is to provide educator with, you know, competition, education, workforce readiness programs to increase student engagement in STEM, right? STEM and computer science. But at the REC Foundation, we're not just trying to get students in traditional four-year colleges and universities. We're trying to give students those workforce skills for the next generation of technology, right? And you know, this year we had over 400,000 students compete in our programs and only a small percentage will get engineering or science degrees, but all of them are gonna work with technology in their career. So our hope and our goal is to have all these students develop not just the technology skills, but the communication skills to be successful no matter whatever career path they take. And a lot of our students won't go into STEM fields. They'll go into marketing or they will go into um, social sciences or they'll go into healthcare. But the skills such as problem solving, communications, iterative design, um, those are valuable skills no matter what field you go to. And, and I think that's what I'm most proud of is that we're giving all students in our program that opportunity to um, face a difficult situation and to overcome that adversity and, and be stronger because of it. So yes, we hope that a lot of our students are gonna be those students that make world-changing inventions and help solve some of the crises that we're facing, but we're equally hopeful that any student in our program takes these skills and uses them for their careers. The scale you're doing this on is, and the impact you're having is is really impressive. So, so way to go! And but also, in what ways has Dallas proven to be a, a great host for the competition? I know you you worked with Monica to get it here. Monica brings all kinds of fun stuff to 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 uh, to Dallas. And uh, what it, what how in what ways has Dallas been a great uh, host city for you? Well, I mean, first of all, I do want to give a shout out to, to Monica, Ginger, and the rest of the Dallas Sports Commission, because um, without them, um, we wouldn't have such a successful event uh, last year and in the next couple of years, right? So they've been a great partner for us. But as you said, the scale is huge. I mean, we have over 400,000 students competing, and with 3,000 teams, you know, over 3,000 teams, over 40,000 students, and over 100,000 spectators and coaches and family and everything like that attending, not every city can host an event of this magnitude. So um, we needed a city that has really good transportation. Um, we needed a city that has plenty of hotel spaces. Um, but more important than any of that, we needed a city that was also committed to what we were doing. And I think uh, Dallas has stepped up, and we're hoping that more and more Dallas businesses will attend the event this year, you know, now that we're out of the pandemic. Um, but we needed a, a city that really believed in what we were doing and believed in investing in our students and investing in their futures. And, and Dallas has been a great partner with that. So Dan, I, I know your foundation works very hard on this, but uh, 
what is the state of STEM education in our country today? What is it uh, or how can girls go about finding more opportunities and really being encouraged to stay uh, and become interested in STEM fields? Well, Monica, we're not doing enough. Um, I don't want to say that we're failing. And I think there's been dramatic improvements over the last 20 years, but honestly, we're still not doing enough. So the REC Foundation um, has started a program called Girl Powered. Uh, and, and the mission of Girl Powered is to refine the state's the face of STEM. I mean, so uh, Google is now our presenting sponsor for Girl Powered. And um, we are creating an environment and providing grants and tools and workshops to have more young women participate in robotics. And, you know, we started when we started this program with VEX Robotics, there was only 24, 25% of the students in our program were women. Um, and, you know, right before the pandemic, we were up into the mid 40s. So we were making huge, huge strides. And in our elementary programs, um, we were 50 50. And, and that was, it was a great trend. But frankly, the pandemic hurt us just like it hurt um, women in STEM careers across the world, right? So we saw a drop in our participation from young women. And now we're working hard to, to get it back to where it was before. I mean, as a country and as a society, will be much better when we have equal representation from everybody, from women, from uh, underserved communities, from people of color. Um, that's what we really need to, to maximize and optimize what we can do. So our Girl Powered Initiative uh, presented by Google is one way for us to get there. And, um, and I think we have a lot more to do, but at least the trend is in the right direction. And so I'm very, very hopeful for the future. And I promise you, when you come to the VEX Robotics World Championship, you'll see some of these girl-powered teams. You'll see teams that were started because of girl-powered grants, um, and they'll be very, very successful. Um, a couple years ago, um, the world championship team from both the high school and the middle school were, were girl-powered teams. They were started through girl-powered grants. And I think on the field, the young women do just as well as the young men. So, But we want everybody to be successful. Well, Dan, I can't thank you enough for one, bringing the VEX Robotics World Championships to Dallas, but then also joining us today on uh, the Mic Drop Dallas podcast. Uh, everyone listening, we definitely encourage you to head out to the VEX Robotics World Championships um, uh, at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center, April 25th through May 4th. It is open to the public, free of charge. I promise you, you will be surprised and amazed by these, these young kids and what they're able to do and accomplish. Um, go to roboticseducation.org to learn a little bit more. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to welcome for her first visit on Mike Drop Dallas, Haley Sutton, who joined DallasCowboys.com as a host and reporter last September. She came to Dallas from the NBC affiliate in Miami. Before that was a TV reporter in, in Montgomery, Alabama, where, of course, she had her hands full with the SEC in Auburn <laughs> and Auburn and Alabama. But she started her TV career in Great Falls, Montana. Now, there are 210 
ranked TV markets in America. <laughs> and Great Falls is number 191. And and Haley has had a great journey. We're going to get into that. You you she has done it the right way for for sure. Uh, and this is a return home for Haley. She's a product of Red Oak High. Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks. And, uh, and so Haley, with that, welcome to Mike Drop Dallas. We're really glad that, to have you here. Hey, yeah, it's so weird listening to other people list out all the places I've been. It's kind of bananas when you actually hear it out loud. So that's, well, that's great. I and, love that and, we started with that. Yeah, well, Monica loves asking uh, people to talk about their journey. So we're going to start there. And Monica, you can dive in here. Um, but what was interesting to me is you played soccer in high school and then you walked on at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Go Islanders, of course. Yeah. And and you so starting as a walk on, you ended up starting some games as a midfielder, scoring a few goals here and there, getting some accolades in awards, including all academic, if I'm not mistaken. You graduate with a degree in kinesiology. So, Marcus, she wasn't taken. <laughs> the kinds of classes that you and I took, I, I, and I shouldn't say that Marcus is smarter than me. I, didn't, I avoided math and science as, uh, like like uh, big time. So you get that degree, then you take a fifth year at UNT, one of Marcus's alma maters, and you get a master's in journalism. You go there from, you know, to become a starter and play well there, you know, at, at UNT. So from great from from Red Oak High School through the all the stops you made from Great Falls Montana to the star you've been really such a great example of methodically doing this approaching your career uh, the right way what examples do you think talk about your journey a little bit and the example that you have set what do you tell young people uh when they ask you how to get where you, where you got yeah, the biggest thing I always tell young people is never be afraid to try an opportunity. I think being born and raised in Dallas, Texas, this is all I've known. Texas or forever. Texas is the best. That's what we learn as we grow up here. So uh, the fact that I even, you know, took a leap of faith to move to a place like Montana, which, by the way, I had no idea where it was on a U.S. map. So that was a fun little history lesson, too. But I never would have. I never would have taken that opportunity, I think, if younger me wouldn't have gone through all of those steps. You know, the adversity of being a walk-on, knowing that, you know, I love this game and I wanted to play and I wanted to be a contributor at the college level and being able to work up through that dynamic and then being a grad transfer and, and being a leader on a new team in a different environment. I think all of those little steps that you take kind of prepare you for where you are now. Um, and I, I do. I I. I know that we're shifting in this industry of you don't always have to start at a small market in order to, you know, find a job like my current job now, but Great Falls, Montana is the foundation of my journalism career. It's where I learned how to cover football the right way. It's where I learned how to take a story and, and turn it into something even bigger, giving these small town communities a sense of pride because they're seeing, you know, their stories and their players on TV and, learning that the importance of being a journalist is not always breaking the story or being first. It's about being able to share other people's stories and experiences that might not have a platform elsewhere. Uh, one of my favorite stories that I've done with the Dallas Cowboys was over uh, the center, Alec Lindstrom, who was signed as an undrafted free agent. Um, his mom suffered from ovarian cancer his final year at Boston College, and she was just the glue to their family. And 
Nobody on the Dallas Cowboys team really knew that. And now you've got Dak Prescott reaching out to this undrafted rookie, you know, trying to figure out how they can come together and how they can get foundations started together. So I just think each step kind of allowed me to, you know, build on that foundation that I'd already been making throughout my college and even in, in high school. All right. So one other thing that I have to ask, and sometimes Monica and I talk to our media guests about, about TV shows and movies and what they're streaming and all that. And, but I have to ask you, did being in Montana for a, a year or so make turn you into a Yellowstone fan? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. So I am like a creature of habit. It takes a lot to get me to watch something new. I will literally watch the same shows on repeat. I'm currently burning through the new season of Love Island because I'm a big uh, reality TV show nice. junkie. So um, so no, I never watched Yellowstone. I did have an interest in, I think they made another one called Big Sky that was much more central or like filmed in Montana. Yeah. Uh, but I saw the trailer for it and I was like, this is not the Montana I know. So I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to watch it and have it be kind of disappointing or not meet my expectations. Yeah, I watched the first season of that show. Not, not, not bad. A big sky. All right. So let's, let's okay. get to the Cowboys. So do you, uh, let's assess the off season for us. A lot of moves. Ezekiel Elliott gone. Break it down for us, please. Yeah. What an off season, right? When we were at the combine, uh, we had the chance to talk with uh, Shereen Williams, who's obviously a legend in this industry. Um, I've come to know her as a mentor as well. So but she came on our podcast, Girls Talk, Boys Talk. And I, you know, I kind of said, as a Cowboys fan, this feels exciting. But the Cowboys analyst in me, it, you know, we are we sure? And basically the way Shireen explained it was, you will know how serious this Cowboys team is about getting to the Super Bowl and what they do in free agency. And I think you saw in March, towards the end of February going into March, the way that they were unapologetic almost and getting some key pieces in uh, you do lose Ezekiel Elliott, but you sign Ronald Jones with the option of taking one of, you know, the several talented running backs that are in this year's draft class. So I'm not super concerned about the running back position. And then you bring in Stefan Gilmore to complement the secondary, one of the stronger positions, you know, on this team then you bring in Brandon Cooks, a guy who was linked to us at the trade deadline. We got him for an even better price. I mean, just the way they did business, the way they were so almost methodical in bringing in people, you you, you felt it even in the building, like, oh, like <laughs> Jerry's in his bag, you know, like he's not gonna, he's not messing around this offseason. So it definitely felt exciting. And then counting down into the draft, now that we're getting closer and closer, you're seeing some of these players who are coming in and out of the building on their 30 visits. And you kind of start to feel that, you know, it, it feels like the, the team is matching the way the fan base has felt for so many years that enough is enough. It's time to get back to that Super Bowl. Well, Haley, I think that the fans will definitely let Jerry know uh, one way or another. If <laughs> they, they always like do. What he's doing. Exactly. <laughs> so let's uh, look ahead to the NFL draft, which gets underway here on uh, April. Uh, barring trades, the Cowboys have the 26th pick in the first round. Uh, what areas do you think the Cowboys will prioritize there? Yeah, this is such a hard question. I actually hate draft questions because it doesn't matter what you say. Someone's always oh. going to tell you that you're wrong. Yep. <laughs> so, so it's really, it's really tricky to say because they can go in a lot of different directions. I think obviously the strongest need would be at your linebacker position with Anthony Barr not 
yet being re-signed, if you will, at all. Really, your linebacker core consists of Leighton Van Der Esch and Damone Clark. And I, that's an area, obviously, where you need bodies. That being said, there's a lot of really great linebackers in this draft I think would fit, but I think you can afford to wait a round or two, especially with your next pick coming at 58. Uh, I also think wide receiver is a big area of concern. You still brought in Brandon Cooks and you've got uh, CeeDee Lamb. So there's a lot of pieces there, but there's a lot of question marks with Jalen Tolbert. So that's an area, obviously, that the Cowboys can address too. Uh, and then, obviously, if Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs is available, I think you absolutely have to take that. In fact, I think if he gets to, you know, around the, the 14, 15, 16 mark and, and he's still on the board, now I think you pick up the phone and you make some calls to trade because if that's an option that's available to you, those are the best two players uh, aside from Will Anderson, who we know is going to go three. So uh, I think it's interesting. I think they can go in a lot of different directions. There's been talks about bringing in a tight end as well. And we saw how well the tight ends developed over this last season uh, as the rookies. So uh, to make a really long answer short, I'm not sure which way they go. There's so many different avenues that they can pick. Well, uh, I think you made my day talking about Bijan <laughs> Robinson. So I'm I'm a Longhorn, and I'm yeah. like oh, I've been hearing some chatter, and I'm like, oh, that would be quite exciting because I think he's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Uh, as someone who's grown up in the in the area, has covering the Cowboys been all you thought it to be? What what has surprised you the most? Yeah. Um. So. Prior to this, I was in my I was in Miami, and obviously, I've only ever been in local news. But obviously, my dream job is to get network, and I know that the best way to get to network is going from uh, local to team, and then to network because you're constantly meeting people on the network side at the team level. Um, so I was in a wonky situation in Miami. My contract was only a year. It was basically just like a temporary fill-in position until they were ready to open a more full-time job. So it was kind of wonky. Um, and one of my friends who I went to college with actually Kyle Yeomans, uh, I'd been in contact with him for a couple years at this point when this position was first created. Um, I was a finalist the first time around, but didn't get the job. So I think having this, the sting of like not being able to get home, uh, that first time around was definitely tough. Um, and then the second time around when I was in Miami, Kyle called again and said, Hey, like apply, like we're hiring almost immediately. Like, and I think you'll be a great fit. So, um, I applied, uh, my now manager contacted me the same day. Uh, we did a quick interview. Um, and then to make a really long story short, he kind of just said, Hey, do you want to work for the Cowboys? And that like moment of, you know, like this man just asked me if I wanted to work for the Dallas Cowboys, like, is this real life? I don't think the job really set in until like we had lost the game against the 49ers in the divisional round. Like I was like, Oh my God, like I've really been here through this entire journey with this team. And I've gotten to know these players. Like it just, it, sometimes it still doesn't set in, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I was at an event with Dak Prescott and Troy Aikman and I'm literally just standing next to Troy, like, Number one, like, I did not know you were this tall, but like, holy cow, like, <laughs> this is crazy. So I think uh, the it's been difficult to kind of separate, like, the fandom and the fascination with this organization that I've had my whole life. Uh, but it's also so cool to be, you know, the, the bridge between, like, these players and the fans and really sharing these stories that they share with you and you get to know them as players. I mean, Zeke, 
that was hard for me because he was one of the first players to welcome me into the locker room. Uh, he was always gracious to do media opportunities with me. So it kind of helped me, you know, get in the groove of talking to professional athletes. He was super helpful in that. Um, we, he was my season finale on my sit down series first in 10. So you get to know these players and it's weird, you know, like people at the bar will be talking about the team and I'm like, well, actually I'll have, you know, they're different. So it's just really interesting. It's surreal. Um, I love it. I'm excited for season two now that I kind of understand better what's going on. Yeah. You, have you had to shift your journalistic training at all as a person who's working for the team in-house? Um, I wouldn't say shift because I think the Cowboys, they really allow us to be our own personalities. They really allow us to have our own analysis and opinions. Uh, you know, we obviously can't get on the internet and, you know, bash these guys because it looks, you know, bad. So um, I would say the biggest difficulty from local news to the team side is it's a different type of storytelling. It's a different type of reporting. You know, for local news, you're trying to find that angle that is important to, I think they call her Pam, like the mom at the store who, you know, is picking up groceries for her kids. Like that's that's who you're marketing to. So your storytelling is different. Mm -hmm. In team reporting, you know, fans want to know everything. They want to know the analytics. They want to know where these guys are going to the grocery store, like all of these little niche things. So I've kind of had to, you know, just shift the way I storytell. And I can also be a little bit more creative too. Like I'm currently working on a documentary for our Deep Blue series. And that's something that I never probably would have gotten to do at the local level. So I think it's just a matter of, yes, obviously you don't want to put the team in a bad light as a reporter for the team, but the Cowboys really allow us to be, you know, who we are. Like, I mean, I have tattoos and I've got curly hair and I'm a brown woman and they've never once told me, like, oh, you can't look like that, or oh, you have to do this. So it's a it's a really pleasant shift from the local news side where you have to be a little bit more prim and, and proper and put together. This, you can kind of be your own personality. You can craft out like what your style is going to be, and they really allow you the freedom to do that. Well, everybody, check out Haley Sutton's reporting, storytelling at DallasCowboys.com and the Girls Talk Boys podcast, which, is, which I, I watched an episode – and it's funny and interesting. You cover a lot of <laughs> ground. Jane Slater, friend of the pod, uh, is involved in that one, too. And uh, really good stuff at DallasCowboys.com from Haley Sutton. Uh, so thank you for your for the time today, Haley. Yeah, thank you guys so much. This was awesome. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Mike Madano. How about Mike Madano and Roger Clemens on the pod? Dan Mance and Haley Sutton. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Danielle and Jason and Tony Fay PR ran over at Vocal Media, our showrunner Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.